0: Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change podcast. I'm your host Jeff Bloomfield. And whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. All right, welcome back to the Driving Change podcast. I'm your host Jeff Bloomfield and as you know, if you've been listening for any length of period of time is we love to have unique individuals on with, with really unique backgrounds and stories of all different walks of life, and uh, today's guest is no different than that. Um, today's guest, Mr. Tom Arth, and you, you may know the name, you may not know the name. I will tell you that Tom is a really, really fascinating individual. He was a high school standout stud quarterback from St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio. You also may not know that for a period of time, he was Peyton Manning's backup in the NFL. He's played for the Colts. He played for the Packers. He was on the Scottish Claymores, which I'd love to hear some of that. Uh, He he played for the Toronto Argonauts, the Grand Rapids Rampage, the Georgia Force. uh, But he then also left his playing days behind and became a successful head coach where he won NCAA Division III National Coach of the Year with, I believe, John Carroll. He was the 2016 Ohio Athletic Conference Coach of the Year, College Football Coach of the Year. Uh, He's D3Football.com's all-decade team from his own playing days. Uh, He just has a story career as a player and as a coach. Most recently, he was head coach at University of Tennessee Chattanooga, as well as the University of Akron, my alma mater, former zip. And his story and how I got to hear Tom talk. We spoke together at an event not too long ago, and I just was taken by his passion for people and for helping develop people and taking his life's experience and helping other people become high performers. And he's just a genuinely good human being, great family guy. So I'm honored to have him on the Driving Driving Change podcast. Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much Jeff I uh, really appreciate the uh, the great introduction I did not know you were a zip um I think uh, that that was new to me um uh, but really uh, appreciate you having me on um, as we spoke before uh, the show um you know you really uh, was just so impressed by uh, what I learned from you at the event uh, where we met and uh, was really like inspired uh by what uh by what I learned from you. So having this opportunity to uh to be on your podcast and get a chance to know you a little bit better uh really means a lot to me. So thank so thank you so much for uh for the opportunity to, to be a part of this.
0: Yeah, we're honored to have you. We're honored to have you. So I'll hit you with the question we always ask our guests first every single episode. And as a former Midwestern farm boy from Mansfield, Ohio, who grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball myself. uh, If you're listening from somewhere other than Ohio, we didn't have a lot of those other sports in Ohio, most of us. There was a little bit of hockey up where you were from in the north. There wasn't any lacrosse and very few people I knew played a lot of soccer. So where I grew up, it was football, basketball, and baseball 24-7. And you grew up in Cleveland where you played. So tell me a little bit about your origin story. Take us all the way back you know what was life like for the young Tom Arth that, that turned into this great motivator, a great coach and athlete. Who were those influences early in your life, and and what can you think if you think back to that almost the childhood experience that led you up to being somebody who wanted to be an NFL quarterback and also being a coach? Tell us that story.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, as you mentioned, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, which you know, to me, you know, it was one of the great things. I I have five kids of my own and uh, being able to raise them in this area in Northeast Ohio, um, you know, has really meant a lot to me because I think it's just such an incredible place to grow up for so many different reasons. Um, you know, there's just something about the, you know, the fabric of the people here and, um, you know, that really make it special. So um, I think I certainly experienced that, um, you know, growing up. And, um, you know, I think anytime you go back and, you know, who, what's important to you and, and, and sort of your origin, I think you have to talk about your family um, you know, I was really blessed to have, you know, incredible parents. My mom and dad um, have an older sister. My sister was 13, is 13 years older than me. Um, so it was, you know, it was really, you know, sort of a unique um, childhood in the fact that, you know, that really by the time I was four years old, five years old, my sister was off in college and it was almost like I was a, a single child and, um, you know, really had, um, you know, just great, great relationship with both my mom and my dad. Um, You know, who mean everything to me and my sister, you know, as well, who, um, you know, was more than just a sister, you know, that age difference, um, you know, she, you know, really, um, you know, was a role model to me and, um, you know, her, uh, her husband now, um, they've been married for a long time, I don't even know, uh, you know, how many years uh, was almost like a, you know, a, a brother to me. And, um, you know, I just uh, feel so fortunate to have always had so much love and support, um, you know, from my family in my life. And that, you know, really has always driven me and all I think is, is really helped, you know, shape me into the person uh, who I am. But, you know, I think you go back and, um, you know, I think about like you know, my life and, and my career. And, um, you know, I, I cheated a little bit. Um, I know you had you had mentioned it in, in your presentation that the first question you ask on the podcast is always, you know, somebody's why. So I'll be honest, I kind of, you know, thought about it a little bit, you know, here and there and, um, you know, what it, you know, what it is. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, for me, like everything, it always comes back to, it always comes back to love. And, you know, I think about, you know, the time I was, you know, five years old, you know, I really like started falling in love with the game of football. And, you know, I remember, you know, the Super Bowl when the 49ers played the the Bengals and, you know, Joe Montana led, you know, that comeback, you know, led the drive, you know, to win the Super Bowl in 1989. And like, that was really the moment for me, um, you know, where I knew like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a quarterback. I want to be a leader. I want to like, like live in that moment. Um, and, you know, and I think that really, you know, set up a lot for me and, you know, so much of, you know, of, of, who I am and, um, you know, who I've become is because, because of that, like competitiveness and that internal drive to, you know, to always be the best that I can be. And, you know, I feel really fortunate because I've been, um, You know, I've been around some really great people in my life um, who've really inspired me and, um, you know, I've had, you know, adversity, um, you know, that I've had to overcome. And certainly, you know, you mentioned I was a a great player in high school and, you know, yes and no. Um, You know, I think that was one of the first big challenges of my life was. Um, you know, I was really, you know, a backup my entire career, um, you know, in high school and uh, wasn't even the starting quarterback uh, to begin, you know, my senior year at St. At Ignatius and uh, was starting out at wide receiver and, you know, didn't get that opportunity to, to move over to, to quarterback until, you know, the fifth game. Um, so, it was, you know, really, you know, something that, you know, I think has always shaped me was my time. Uh, at San Ignatius High School. And, you know, Coach Kyle, uh, who was the head coach at the time, Coach Restifo was our offensive coordinator and uh, quarterback coach. And, uh, you know, my dream since, you know, can I can remember, you know, was being the starting quarterback at San Ignatius. And, uh, you know, when that opportunity, you know, presented itself. It meant everything to me. And, you know, I'm very fortunate for my time there and the people that I met there and the foundation that, uh, you know, that I received, you know, as a student and as an athlete at St. Ignatius, because that really, um, you know, helped me become the person and the player, uh, you know, that I, that I did, you know, and I took all those things I learned to John Carroll and, um, you know, and, and beyond um, into the national football league.
0: So do you ever think um if you would have gotten to start at quarterback earlier, you ever you ever play that story over in your mind? So boy, if I if my junior year I would have I would have gotten the starting gig, then though I had a great a great career at John Carroll, man, I might have been like I might have been Buckeye bound. Like do you ever think you're? <laughs> Do you ever think about those, those kind of parts yeah, of the journey happened the way it's supposed to happen?
1: I do. I believe that it happened the way it's supposed to happen a hundred percent. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all because again, it's, you know, it's part of, it's part of who I am and it's part of what made me. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, it's only human nature to look back and say, oh, well, I wonder, you know, if this would have happened and you know, where would I be? Where would I have gone? You know, what would I be doing? All those things. But, you know, everything happens for a reason and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, those lessons that I learned, um, you know, persevering uh, through through that and, you know, realizing again, you know, it's kind of an odd dream, you know, when you're five years old to, you know, not only do you want to go play in the NFL, which a lot of five-year-olds have, but like what meant the most to me, was being the starting quarterback at San Ignatius high school. And, you know, growing up, um, you know, even in sixth grade, I had, you know, teachers, you know, that would ask, Hey, what's your, what's your dream? We had to go around the classroom. I'll we'll never forget this. And, you know, I said, Hey, I, w- I want to be the starting quarterback at San Ignatius. And like, they all laughed, right. They all laughed at me. And, um, you know, like to, to be able to never lose that faith in yourself and to always have that belief and that confidence in yourself. Um, and, you know, despite, you know, any adversity, despite things not going your way and just realizing, like, if you just, if you keep that belief and you keep working hard and you keep doing everything that you can for your team, that great things are going to happen. And, you know, I learned that lesson pretty early on, you know, in 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 my life, you know, as a, as really probably a, you know, sophomore, junior, senior in high school, um, you know, what, um, you know, hard work and, and perseverance and, and what belief, um, you know, can really mean, you know, in your life and uh, certainly, you know, had a had a great season, um, you know, from from that point at, at Ignatius and um, that really like set me up, I think, for, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, which includes John Carroll University, uh, going to John Carroll, um, you know, it was probably the best decision that I ever made, you um, you know, really uh, the people who I met there and, uh, you know, certainly the the opportunities uh, that I've had to go back and coach there um, have met, have meant everything to me.
0: So one of the things I'm always fascinated by is, is, is people go through these stages in their life. At some point, you know, you had, whether maybe, maybe it's not, <clears throat> maybe it was an individual person. Maybe it was a series of people. At some point, somebody instilled in you the, desire to create that dream and then the path to show you how to get there it's, at some point right as, as athlete and by the way for those listening you hear words like you have not from ohio st ignatius high school well you've all watched you know shows like friday night lights and you know there's all these big texas high school football really ohio florida texas and california in my mind are the four states that have the probably the largest presence of Stud football players in America. If you're not from one of those four states, you might be arguing right now. <laughs> but Ohio has a Ohio has four or five high schools in it that every year they're the biggest high schools, and they're almost always competing. There's a couple down here in Cincinnati, and they're always playing a couple from Cleveland. And St. Ignatius is one of those one of those high schools. So this is not a no joke. Where this is kind of like you're, he graduated a class of 75 people in the middle of Podunk, a cornfield in Ohio. This is like legit one of the top. High schools in the country every single year. So this, the fact that you were even able to play your last year there as a starting quarterback is a huge feat. Obviously, you were very talented. But if you think back to that, like, can can you articulate like where or who started to lay? When you look back on it, who laid the groundwork for you to show you that you got to have the goal, you got to have the vision, you got to have the dream, but then you got to have the work to get there. Did that, was that a series of folks or was there one person instrumental when you were younger that you could say that really started here?
1: You know, I think, um, you know, uh, there's probably a, a few people, um, you know, certainly. Um, and again, you know, I, it's it's hard to not mention, you know, my parents, you know, when you talk about that, because, you know, the one thing that they always did was believe in me. Um, no matter what it was, um, you know, whatever, you know, my dream, as I said, you know, I was, I was five foot seven, 130 pounds as a high school freshman. And like, I'm like, I am going to play in the NFL. And of course my mom's like, Oh, you know, like absolutely, like totally believing in you. Um, You know, so I think like that belief from your family and that support from your family, um, you know, I think always means everything. Um, But I also think about like my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, like, you know, as I said, my, my sister's 13 years old and my brother-in-law, you know, is about the same, maybe 12, 13 years older. And, um, you know, as I'm growing up four or five, you know, like really all the way through, um, like he just, he was like relentless on me. Like always, you know, we were always playing sports, always like not even sports, just like competing in everything, you know, this game, like gotcha last, like tag, you know, essentially like every time he'd leave or I'd leave, like you know, tap and got you last. And I mean, it would turn into a half an hour of sprinting around, like trying to like be the last one to tag you. Um, You know, I think he really kind of laid that groundwork for me as like a competitor and that competitive spirit because he never let me win. And, you know, almost to a point where like, (laughs) you think like, you know, you look back like, man, it's a little bit cruel, Um, but like really helped shape me, you know, as a competitor and really like started that internal drive, um, you know, and that really like, you know, how much, you know, like you have to win. Um, you know, I hate to say, hate to lose, like, like, but like how much you have to win. And, um, you know, and I think that really started with, with my brother-in-law and then, um, you know, in, in, going, um, you know, into high school, um, there was a coach actually big reason, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I chose John Carroll, uh, Joe Perella, uh, he was running camps at John Carroll, uh, and he was very close with our uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Sandy Ignatius High School, Nick Restifo. And I'd go out to his camps, and you know, he was really the first person um, who I had great respect for in football. Who I think saw something special in me. Um, you know, from the time that I was you know 14 years old, you know, freshman in high school, um, I think he really saw something special in me, and um, that gave me an even greater confidence um, to realize, you know what, like maybe, maybe this isn't just in your mind that you like have this talent and this ability and, and, you know, to do these things, but, you know, here's somebody who's, you know, coached, you know, professional football, who's coached, you know, in major college football, um, who's coached great quarterbacks, who knows what it looks like, who believes in you and who sees something special in you. Um, that made, you know, that made such a difference for me. And I think he, uh, you know, really, you know, inspired me in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, to uh, to be the best that I can be.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and for everyone listening out there, I think sometimes we grow up and we're, we're, we grow up in the environment that we're in. You, know, you don't usually control a lot of that early on. And you also, though you do start to develop your own personal beliefs around things, and for those of us who are into sports, we develop this competitive nature around winning and what it, what it means to win. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it starts to become their identity right. is wrapped up in their performance of whether they won or lost. But somewhere along the way, we make a switch gets thrown and we start to recognize that being the person who believes in someone else becomes more important than even our own accomplishments. So for you, I wanna to get to that. I wanna to get to that in a minute, but I wanna I wanna I wanna go step by step here. So so you go to you go to you graduate, you go to John Carroll, you broke all kinds of records, you won all kinds of accolades, won all kinds of awards, throwing dimes all over the field, you know, just lighting it up. And and then you left John Carroll. What was the next step for you? Did you go to, did you, did you get drafted? Did you go to the, did you get to go to the combine? Did you sign on as a, like, what'd that look like? How'd you end up on the NFL teams and the rosters you did?
1: Yeah. You know, you know, as you mentioned, I was very, you know, fortunate, um, you know, came into a great program, um, Uh, that, you know, was, had experienced a lot of success, you know, prior to my arrival at John Carroll, you know, Tony DiCarlo was the head coach, very kind of a legendary figure at John Carroll passed away a few years ago, uh, but was an outstanding coach uh, really like turned that program around and, um, you know, I got the opportunity to follow um, a couple of really great quarterbacks, uh, PJ Insana um, and Nick Casario. Nick's now the GM uh, for the Houston Texans. Um, Nick was a four year starter um, and I was able to come in right uh, as Nick finished and and, and kind of take over and, um, you know, played as a true freshman with a, a lot of, you know, just really special teammates, uh, great players and uh, had a great career. Um, my senior year, you um, you know, I got off to a great start and actually uh, tore my shoulder, tore the, tore the labor on my shoulder in week six against, uh, you know, Mountain Union, which was our, our big rival, you know, one of the, you know, the number one program in the country. And, um, you know, kind of prior to that, there was really a lot of, I was getting, you know, just there were scouts coming in every day. It was meeting with scouts, talking with scouts, um, you know, just really felt like I had this really great opportunity to. Um, to live my dream and to realize my dream of playing in the NFL, at least getting that opportunity. And uh, once I tore my shoulder, that really all sort of quieted down. Um, And, you know, I, I, you know, made a decision uh, to not have surgery, um, you know, immediately. Um, I wanted to come back. We were having a great year, thought we'd have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Uh, So I was able to come back for our 10th game, which was the last regular season game. We had to win to get into the playoffs. We won, uh, had a great run in the playoffs, made it to the uh, semifinals where we lost to to Mountain Union uh, in the national semifinals. Um, But, you know, like through that time and, you know, after, you know, my injury and, um, you know, once I had the surgery after the season, you know, the only team that really stayed in contact with me was the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, again, as I said earlier, I think, when, you know, one of the best decisions that I've ever made was, was going to John Carroll. And a big part of the reason why I went to John Carroll is because of the people. Uh, because of the people who had graduated from there, because of the the legacy and the tradition um, that existed at, at John Carroll. And, um, you know, fortunately, uh, Bill Polian was the GM of the Colts at the time, and uh, he his sons, um, you know, had gone through John Carroll. So Chris Polian uh, was at the, was with the Colts at that time. Tom Telesco, who's now the GM for the Chargers. Uh, was with the Colts and David Caldwell, uh, who was the GM for the fa- or for the um, he was with the Falcons and also uh, the GM for the Jaguars a few years back. Uh, were all in that organization at that time, and they really stuck with me. And um, you know, I'll never forget that moment. You know, it was uh, it was it was the, the the second day of the draft. I think there were only two days uh, at that time in 2003, um, and you know, seventh round had just finished up. Um, and pretty shortly thereafter, uh, I got a call from, from Tom Telesco and, you know, told me that, uh, um, you know, that they, uh, were going to, uh, sign me, uh, to a a free agent contract and, uh, give me an opportunity to, to be a part of the Indianapolis Colts organization. And, you know, that's a moment that, um, like you just, you'll never forget, you know, you just never forget that call. And, you know, for me, like what I always, what like really, you know, in, in addition to just that call and, you know, just that emotion, um, you know, I remember, uh, my nephews, uh, my sister's two boys, uh, you know, boy, they were, they were young, um, you know, maybe, uh, five and, you know, maybe, or maybe, you know, seven and three, somewhere along those lines. And I just remember, you know, first person I saw after I hung up the phone was coming out of my bedroom, going downstairs was my nephew. And he's like, who was that? And like, to be able to, you know, have that experience and, you know, share that with him and to see, you know, how proud he was, it was just like, I'm, I'm emotional talking about it now, because yeah, yeah. like, you know, like a lot of it, you you do, you do it, you got this incredible internal drive inside yourself, you know, and you have all these goals that you want to accomplish. And a lot of it, if you're honest, like is for yourself, but right. like at the same time, so much of it is about the people that you love and the people that you care about. And, you know, it was so proud of how proud he was of me in that moment. Well,
0: what's cool about that is, is that they probably looked up to you in the same way that you looked up to their dad.
1: That's right. Yeah. Right. Now Here
0: was kind of full circle and. He, he helped you as a competitor become the person who ultimately got signed by the Colts. Now his, his boys, your sister's boys, get to experience that moment with you first. That's pretty cool. That and they'll, awesome. they'll probably talk about that day like it's yesterday, right? It's probably one of their favorite moments themselves now. Now they're probably grown and, and all that. So I have a bigger question before I ask you my follow-up on that. So you're a Cleveland guy, and we all know the history of the Cleveland Browns. How in the world were they not still interested in you? <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I, I would have
0: thought, thought, I mean, here's our native sons sitting right down the street and we're having hey. a, an issue with the revolving door of quarterbacks. We should at least give this guy a second or third look here, right?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a tumultuous uh, time uh, for the Browns, um, you know, at that point. A little, so.
0: little head scratcher. Okay. So you, you, you sign, you go to the Colts, you go to training camp. Who's on the roster? Like who, who, who were you? Were you, were were you in the moment of like, holy bleep, I'm standing here talking to this guy? Like, did you have any of those moments?
1: Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, you know, and what was, you know, what was really cool about all of it was, um, you know, I, as I mentioned, I waited until after the season to have surgery. So, um, you know, the Colts took me knowing really that I wasn't going to be able to perform, you know, my first year. Um, and, you know, really had the opportunity to just, you know, kind of sit back and learn Um and, and try to absorb everything that I could, but, uh, certainly, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, was there and Peyton, um, you know, Peyton was Peyton at, by then at that point, uh, he was really just, you know, starting to, you know, become, um, you know, a great player, you know, certainly, you know, one of the best in the game at that point. And, you know, I, I do, you know, remember, you know, that first time I had the opportunity to to meet Peyton, you know, and talk with him and it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those surreal moments where, you know, you kind of, you know who this is, you've seen him on TV and then all of a sudden, like, okay, like we're standing here in the, in the locker room together. And, you know, it was, it was really special. And again, just, you know, reminds you of how, of how fortunate you are and how blessed you are, you know, to be able to have uh, that opportunity and, and to be able to have that type of experience. And, um, you know, certainly there were other great players, um, you know, on that team, the Edger and James is the, you know, Marvin Harrison's Reggie Waynes. I mean, so many Jeff Saturdays, uh, you know, just so many great players, Dwight Freeney's, um, you know, Robert Mathis, who came in, you know, actually was a rookie uh, same year in Dallas Clark, um, you know, so many great players. But, you know, obviously at that time and for me as a quarterback, like just that initial, you know, standing there and like, oh, there's Peyton, <laughs> you know, and, and having right. conversation with Peyton, um, you know, was, uh, you know, was really, you know, was really special, you know, for me.
0: So what, what do you feel like you learned at that point, from a leadership standpoint, watching those guys in an organization like the Colts that was humming—you know, they were fine-tuned. You know, they were winning, they were winning. You got you got all all pros, almost half of half the positions right. on both sides of the ball. From a from a leadership standpoint, and what it takes to lead an organization successfully, whether it was individuals like a Peyton or whether it was you know coaching, who did you see and go, wow, that's that's something worth emulating.
1: Well, you know, I, I think definitely Peyton. Um, you know, and, and at that point, it's so interesting. Like I never thought about coaching, um, like never knew that I wanted to coach. And I think if I, you know, I look back and it's like, okay, well, what would my perspective have been? If I had known all along, like, Hey, at some point I want to be a coach, how would I, you know, be studying, you know, coach dungie and coach Caldwell and, you know, all these great coaches that I was around, um, you know, but I was really so absorbed with, you know, being the best player that I could be. And, um, you know, there was just so much to learn from Peyton. And I think, you know, he, he people everybody talks about his preparation. Everybody talks about his intelligence and um you know what he was able to do um you know from a mental standpoint uh you know in, in the game of football and you know I but you know being there and seeing it firsthand of how he prepared you know what it means to be a professional um you know those were things that uh, that I certainly uh recognized and learned from and tried to, you know, apply in my life and, you know, try to really instill in, in the players that, you know, that I have the opportunity to to coach is here you have this guy with this, you know, infinite amount of talent. And he is like outworking everybody. And he is doing more than everybody. And he's doing it in such an intelligent way. And um, you know, it's just it's really uh, you know, it was really just, you know, mind blowing, you know, to see, you know, his, his, his preparation and the way that he worked, um, you know, so Peyton certainly, you know, stands out in that. And, you know, as I said, there were great coaches and while I, you know, wasn't thinking about being a coach and and really studying, you know, what they were doing, um, you know, it doesn't mean it didn't, they didn't stand out to me, you know, Tony Dungy, um, you know, just such an incredible leader, um, you know, such an incredible person, um, you know, his highest uh, you know, values and integrity, um, so smart and you know, just had such a genuine way of leading um that really put everybody else in the organization first. You know, I think you always felt that, you know, from Coach Dungey is that you know, he was there for one reason was to make the people around him better. And um, you know, I certainly learned a lot from him um you know in that and, and and you know his example of what he meant uh in that way and, and same for Jim Caldwell Jim Caldwell was our quarterback coach at the time uh went on to become a head coach in the NFL may get another shot here uh you know soon I've heard his name a few times um but you know a lot like coach Dungy um just so steady such a smart um you know in caring uh genuine like leader and, um, you know, really, you know, learned a lot from him, you know, in his preparation, it's, it's not an easy job to be, uh, to be Peyton Manning's quarterback coach. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I give, you know, coach Caldwell a, a lot of credit, uh, for, uh, the way that he was able to, you know, help Peyton, you know, and all of us, uh, you know, be the best that we could be.
0: So let's let's talk about some of that. Cause I think there's a lot of folks listening, and we've got a lot of executives and and small business owners and people leading teams and companies out there. I'm always fascinated. Now we got a little inside baseball here. So you take a a, a leader like Coach Dungey. He's gone on obviously to be a great broadcaster. He's written books on leadership, but you were in the trenches watching him. I think one of the myths that's out there in leadership is that, you know, to be a great dynamic leader, you've got to be, you know, a coach. You got to be, you know, like a like a Ditka, or you got to be this hard driving, and you you know you see all the coaches over their time almost like the persona of this my way or the highway, do your job, and and yet Dungey led from a completely different perspective and point of view. So, from an inside baseball standpoint, in this case, inside football standpoint, uh, how did he do? That? How did he manage to be a man of such high? integrity, not to say the other guys don't have integrity, It's not what I mean, but he had, he led with such compassion yet still had full accountability for results. How did he, how did he do that? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's what, you know, makes him so special and makes him, you know, a hall of fame, the hall of fame coach uh, that he is, uh, because I do think it's really rare uh, for somebody to, you know, be able to like live out their values like every single day in everything that they do. He was a, you know, a man of great faith, I think, first and foremost. Um, He was a man of great character. um, And he had a uh, incredible passion for the game and an incredible, like, intellect, you know, around the game of football. And I think that every single person in the organization, had the utmost respect for Tony Dungy and admired him uh, for so many different reasons. And I think, you know, I think it starts with that. I think it starts with that, you know, that trust and that respect um, that you have to earn, you know, that, you know, it's not just given to you because your title's the head coach, like you have to earn that every single day. And, you know, and coach Dungy certainly did that and he backed it up and he backed it up with his knowledge of the game and he backed it up with his preparation and he backed it up with the way that he treated everybody in the organization. Um, and, you know, and I think that, you know, it's something that, you know, as I said, I didn't really know that I wanted to coach when I was, you know, part of that organization. But certainly what I learned from observing him, um, you know, has, has made a big impact on me and, and, and who I've tried to be as a, as a leader and as a coach.
0: You know, it's so funny is that we, absor- we absorb our environment all the time even if we don't even know really what we're absorbing subconsciously, that's going to someday feed uh, into our purpose. And like you said, you didn't even know you were going to be a coach at some point. But yet here you're surrounded by arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, arguably one of the most well-respected and thought of coaches in the history of the NFL. And you're just soaking all that in, not even realizing what you're actually soaking in. And then you put together your own DNA of how you're wired, your story, your strengths, your gifts, your talents. And and that led you down a path to where ultimately you, you go out and you become a head coach and uh, tell us a little bit about that story from the NFL. Then obviously, you know, we can skip all your zigzagging across the globe playing for <laughs> Europe, unless you got some fun stories in there that, you know, uh, you want to share, but you, you, you go from, from being on the Colts roster. And I think you skipped around a little bit there and then you went over into the, some of the other leagues where was that? Was there a was there a time when you thought, you know, what, I'm just I don't think I'm going to stick at the NFL level. I think I'm probably better off to go into coaching. Like, what was that journey, both mentally and literally for you?
1: Yeah, it, you know, it was hard. Um, you know, there's just so many ups and downs. You know, it's such a uh, such a, a an, an emotional uh Profession, you know, really mentally, you know, really challenges you, um, you know, every single day because there are there are so many highs and lows and, you know, every single day you're competing, you know, for 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 your job. And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, it was what was really difficult was, you know, when I was released from Green Bay, you know, I really Thought I had done a really great job there, but performed, you know, very well. Um, you know, and you lose, you know, lose that opportunity. And you're like, okay, well, like what am I going to do? You know, how how are we going to make this work? And, you know, didn't give up at that point, you know, tried bouncing around, you know, CFL, the arena league, things like that, with the hope of, you know, one day getting a, another opportunity to get back in the NFL. Um, you know, and unfortunately that didn't happen. And Um, you know, I was playing in the arena league. I played one season in the arena league and, uh, you know, was actually going to sign with the Cleveland Gladiators uh, that next year and the league folded. And, you know, that was really at a point where um, now all of a sudden I had to make a decision. I had, I want to say two children at the time. Um, And, you know, we, we had a home here in Cleveland and you know, I had to say like, okay, like, what are we going to do? Like, I have to be responsible and I have to make decisions for people other than just myself, you know, while I would, I'd still be trying to play if I could, um, you know, but made that decision to, um, you know, to, 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 to give that up. Um, and again, didn't know I wanted to coach at that point, went into, I actually went back to John Carroll, um, called, uh, you know, I called coach to Carlo who I mentioned earlier. He was the athletic director, uh, you know, at this time and, um, you know, asked him, you know, he had helped a lot of players at John Carroll find jobs. I always knew that. It was something I always respected about Coach DiCarlo was he always helped set people up for their lives um, as well. And, you know, called him and said, Hey, you know, is there anybody you can put me in touch with? I'm not really sure what to do. I haven't thought about anything in my life other than playing. Like I've never thought a second about like what I would do if playing didn't work out. Um, and, Um, he put me in touch with his son who owned a company in Cleveland. Um, You know, they didn't have a job, but he's like, they know everybody, you know, go spend some time with them, talk to them and, you know, see if they can help connect you with somebody. So, um, you know, I went down um, and met with Tony DiCarlo Jr. um, And, uh, you know, his partners, uh, Dan Perella, who's also a John Carroll grad and Vince Thompson, um, who, um, you know, all, you know, three, you know, co-founders of of this company uh, called IdeaStream Consumer Products at the time. And, uh, you know, spent the day with them. Um, they ended up offering me a job, uh, job they didn't have, uh, but they offered me a job. Uh, you know, really in you know kind of a trainee uh, type of role, and um, you know was fortunate. Spent uh, a year uh, in that in that company, and at that point uh, got a call from my head coach at John Carroll, uh, Coach uh, Regis Scaife, and he said, "Hey, we have a, a position open. Like, would you be interested?" in coming back and coaching. And, you know, that was really the first time where I really, really thought about it. And it was the first time I'd been away from the game was out of the game for a year. And, um, you know, it was, had always been such an important part of my life and it wasn't, you know, at that point, um, you know, I was doing some camps and working with quarterbacks on the side, but like football wasn't like a major focal point of my life and I really missed it. And, you know, I made that decision to go back to John Carroll to leave, you know, this great company, this great people, um, great career uh, opportunity uh, to go back to, you know, to John Carroll, uh, you know, to coach. And, you know, and I did that, you know, because I missed the game because I loved the game. And, you know, and I think, again, like going back to like, you know, the why behind all of this and, you know, what like became so evident to me, you know, pretty quickly in that is that, as much as I love the game, what I found and, and what I learned was the impact that I was making and that I could make on the young men uh, in our program, and that's you know what really changed my mindset and really you know changed who I am as a coach and, um, and who I'll continue to be as a coach is uh, you know just that understanding of like the opportunity that we have in that role you know every single day to to make an incredible difference in the lives of other people. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful, you know, for coach Skafe for, for giving me that opportunity, um, you know, and allowing me to realize, I think, you know, truthfully what, you know, what I'm called to do, um, you know, in my life and, you know, it's, it's coach, but like, I think more importantly, like I think it's the opportunity to help, bring out the best in people, the opportunity to make an impact and to make a difference in, um, you know, in, 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 in the lives of other people. And um, it's been, you know, the greatest blessing, um, you know, that I could, you know, imagine, you know, professionally is to, you know, to be able to be a coach and to be able to have those relationships and experiences with our players.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, honestly, whether you're coaching football or whether you're working at a company or whether you're a stay home parent, um, I think. I've been asked this question so many times over the past two decades, where I've got folks coming to me saying they're in transition and they're like, "Well, you know, I just I'm trying to find my purpose." And the question we just had this at our meeting last week as a company, so the question we ask ourselves around here every day is, that I make an, an an actual instrumental difference in the life of another human being today in a positive way?" And, and how did I do that? And right. if you can lay your head on your pillow every night saying, "I did that," that's your purpose. Now your vehicle of how you do that can change. You could be a football, you could be an NFL quarterback. You could be a head coach at John Carroll. You could be the university of Akron's head coach. You could be working in sales down the street at a, you know, polymer company. It doesn't matter. The the question is, did you make a difference in the life of another human being in a positive way? And if you can answer that question, yes that's your purpose. And yeah, you kind of get to pick your, I think sometimes I'm a person of faith as well. I think sometimes we get so hung up on, I just want God to tell me what to do with my life. It's like, he's telling you to go make a positive impact on the life of other people. And he's giving you free will on what vehicle to use to do that with based on your talents and your skills. It sounds like that's what you're saying, right? You've, you've found that, and this is a good vehicle for you now. And you, you're passionate about it.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, and again, it was that, that first year at John Carroll where all of a sudden, you know, You start having these conversations with the players and you start realizing the impact that you're making. You're like, you know what? Like, that's what this is really about. Like, we all love the game and like the game is it's like everything to us but at the end of the day like what makes the coaching profession and you know so many other professions so special is the opportunity that we have to to impact lives and to like to truly truly make a difference in the world and i think that you know that's you know for me and i agree 100 with you you know i have five kids and like that's all i want for them i don't care you know what they do or how they do it. but like at the end of the day like just how are you going to make a difference, you know, for other people? How are you going to make the world a better place? And, um, you know, and I, I, I certainly, you know, understand where you're coming from with that.
0: I saw, it was referred to us over the break. My family and I watched a, a show, a movie um, called Show Me the Father. And I don't know if you've seen it or not yet. It's I haven't. The Kendrick, the, the Kendrick Brothers that did like Facing the Giants and Bulletproof and a bunch of those other faith-based movies. But this was a, basically a documentary and it features Eddie George and it features some of the some NFL players and coaches and their story and their journey of ups and downs and how how they found their passion in being a father figure not not as much as a coach but more as a mentor to these players and to the people in their life that, that, you know, God's entrusted them to because at the end of the day you know, they're not going to put your coaching record on your tombstone. They're not going to put your accolades of all your, you know, all your awards from John Carroll and others and St. Ignatius on your tombstone. They're going to, they're going to talk about the people that you made a positive impact on. You're going to have players standing up saying, you know, Tom came into my life at this moment and I was headed down this path. He put me on this path. And that's made all the difference for me. Like, that's what it's about, right? At the end of the day.
1: It's, it's everything. It's everything.
0: That, that's awesome. Well, so you just left the University of Akron. And now you're in this space between. And, you know, you and I are talking off camera a little bit in the pre-show. You're looking at maybe we're going to see your name popping up for some jobs in the NFL soon. I mean, what's come on? Give us a little inside <laughs> scoop here. What's going on?
1: You know, um, you know, that's, you know, really, I think. I think the goal for me, I think, you know, going back again, you know, when I got into coaching, I think I went into it thinking, you know, I want to be the head coach at John Carroll and I'll do that forever. And, you know, and as I evolved as a coach um, I do think it's, it's kind of always been my dream to uh, to coach in the national football league and um, you know, haven't really been in a position where I could really like put all my energy and effort at that because, you know, as a head coach, you have so much responsibility and you're, and you're in a great job and, you know, you want to really see, you know, where that needs. And, um, you know, you have staff to consider and their families and all the players you're responsible for. And, you know, being in the position that I'm in now, um, I think really allows me to, um, you know, to explore those opportunities. And again, really fortunate, um, you know, through my, uh, you know, through the time at at John Carroll and all the successful uh, people in the NFL uh, that that played football and graduated from John Carroll University have made some really great, you know, connections. And, um, you know, I think, um, and hopeful uh, that there'll be some some opportunities to get my foot in the door, uh, you know, somewhere. Um, and, you know, and I, I certainly, uh, you know, would uh, would love to have that opportunity. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think now's the time where a lot of those things start to happen. So uh, hopefully I'll have a little bit of a better idea of what the next steps are for me uh, within, you know, within the next few months.
0: Awesome. Well, we definitely wish you the best. So let's do a quick, uh, as we close, let's do some rapid fire. All right. Okay, some rapid fire. Uh, longest touchdown pass you ever threw?
1: It was 98 yards, 98, 99 yards. I had one in NFL Europe and one in high school uh, at Ignatius, so.
0: Okay. Let's be real up in here. Cause I used to throw the ball around the yard a little bit myself. Um, how much, how, how far was it in the air? Or did the receiver do most of the work?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say the uh, receiver probably did most of the work on that
0: for sure. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. 98. That's impressive. All right. Hardest hit you ever took at the NFL level and who was it by?
1: Hmm. Well, slobber knockered you. You know, I don't even, I'll tell you it was in, it was actually in NFL Europe, um, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, depending how you look at it, it didn't take too many hits uh, in the NFL um, outside of a a few in preseason, Um, but uh, took a really hard hit uh, in NFL Europe. I still feel it in my jaw, Um, you know, so, uh, you know, kind of came off on a naked and turned around right to a defensive end who put his helmet right in my chin. Never had a chance to even see uh, who it was. So I can't give you a name, um, but uh, there were. That's even
0: better. You got hit so hard you don't even remember (laughs) who it was. That's great. Don't even know. All right. A couple more uh, fastest person you ever witnessed play, play the game of football. Hmm. Cause Bam. you got to work. You saw a lot of fast dudes when you were playing, especially at the NFL level, who, who do you recall going, man, that, that jokers uh, has a different gear <laughs> than what I've seen in the past.
1: You know, I, I think I would say like Marvin Harrison and not necessarily for, um, you know, just like straight line speed, Um, but his ability to run routes and like, you know, kind of weave through routes and make breaks and cuts, like without like breaking stride and without losing speed, like was always like, like incredibly impressive. We used to run this like post corner post, we actually called it the Marvin route. Um, and you know, like he could run it at full speed and, um, you know, never like lose, stride on it and you know to me that was always like really impressive never seen anybody do that and, and haven't since so um you know I, I think you know in that aspect I'd say Myron Harrison
0: okay that's that's been proud hall of famer that's good yeah Sm- smartest player you ever played with
1: that's an easy one uh, Peyton Manning
0: it is Peyton so he he is the real deal he's the computer
1: every, every whatever we all think we know and think about Peyton like multiply it by like a hundred Um, And that's probably getting you a little bit closer to what he's actually like. That's that's awesome.
0: Well, I'd ask you a bunch of, you know, negative questions about who you didn't like, but we'll save that for another time. We'll do that off camera, right? (laughs) We don't don't want to throw anybody. This has been such a positive, uplifting episode. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus directly. So, well, Tom, I, I love your life story. I love that you found your purpose now through uh, this this journey of yours into coaching. And now you really feel like you got five kids and you know that's primary, but now you're kind of headed into this new season in your life almost with your why solidified. Absolutely. And that's going to only make you, I think, a hugely impactful coach in whatever stop you do next. So you have, you have our support at the Brain Trust here. At the Brain Trust, we support you. We endorse you for any coaches who happen to be listening out there. Uh, we fully support Tom Arth for the next job and we look forward to seeing the impact you're going to make.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Really appreciate it.
0: All right. Have a great 22 and beyond.
1: All right. You as well.
0: Thanks. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology.